Hello and welcome to Success Grid Nation to this new episode of the Success Grid Podcast with your host Hussein Talib. I am always looking for ways to improve the Success Grid Podcast and your feedback is a big part of that. So if you have any questions or ideas, please leave me a voice message by going to successgrid.net forward slash podcast. I will be waiting to hear your feedback. Hopefully you enjoy this episode with Devin Miller. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. With me today, Devin Miller. Devin runs his own patent and trademark law firm to help startups and small businesses. He also founded his first startup while earning his law degree. Since then, Devin has founded several six and seven and eight figure businesses also. Devin, welcome to the grid. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Life is good and no complaints. And thank you for having me on. Awesome. Awesome to have you here. So uh, give us first of all uh, your story because you are into law. You studied law. You got your MBA degree. and And then after that, I assume you started your business between you getting your degree and transforming into entrepreneurship, basically. I, that would, I'd almost back up just a little bit. So when I was finishing undergraduate, that's probably where me kind of looking at or otherwise going into entrepreneurship uh, more started in the sense that um, when I was looking to, um, when I was graduating for undergraduate and I, I got degrees in uh, electrical engineering and Chinese, I was kind of thinking, what did I want to be when I grew up in the sense of what did I want to do and how did I want to do it? And I kind of had two things that interested me. One is, you know, I wanted, I loved entrepreneurship, loved small businesses. And on the other side, I also found the legal aspect as far as intellectual property, patents and trademarks interesting. And so I was trying to decide if I want to go do more of a business and a, a master's degree, if I wanted to go get a law degree. And I decided to go do both. And that kind of put me on the track for, you know, ever since then of, of kind of uh, following in that mantra of, you know, why choose one or the other? I'd like to do both. And so I, you know, I went and did law degree um, while I was doing the MBA degree at the same time. Um, but then also alongside of that, um, I started uh, the first business that uh, is still going today and still active um, with, uh, or while I was still doing the, the law degree and the MBA degree. So even prior to, to graduating, and that company is now an eight-figure business and uh, continues to, to move forward. Um, but that one is kind of where I started. And then I graduated, focused uh, on law as my you know, day job, alongside of doing our different startups and small businesses. And then about three and a half years ago is really when I decided, hey, I'd, I'd like to, on the legal side as well as on the business side, just fully make the jump, do my own thing. And so that's when I started the, the law firm, uh, running my own law firm, as well as... Uh, meshing in or combining in with that um doing a lot of the the businesses that i run so awesome. that's kind of a, a quick synopsis of how i yeah. care or what i've been doing so, so when did you started did you feel like it was going to be something hard to be an entrepreneur or starting a business because i assume there is there are a lot of people or companies or attorneys that work in this in the field that you are working in right yeah i mean i, I think the question was is was it was it hard or do I anticipate it being hard? Um, and I, I think probably or yes to a degree and no to a degree in the sense, I think every entrepreneur probably has a bit of, of naivete or is a bit naive when they start out 
because if you knew of all the things that could go wrong or all the uh, stresses and the other things that you're going to have to worry about, you'd probably never get started because you would be overwhelmed or you would uh, otherwise be demoralized. And so, you know, having your having done it a bit and, and running other businesses, you know, prepared. But when you make that full time leap to where hey, your paycheck every week and the business success or failure is squarely on your shoulders, it is a bit of a difference. And so to a degree, I you know, there was a bit of fear and a bit of, you know, worry and concern as I made that leap. And on the other hand, probably a bit of uh, naiveness that I, a lot of those things I didn't learn to later on. Yeah, of course. In order for, for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur, there is uh, some kind of uh, road and you have to take it with the successes and failures, I assume, right? Yep. I think that uh, if you only if you only watch the television shows or the movies and you think everybody that starts their own business is going to be successful, you're going to be disappointed. And if you think you're going to be an overnight success or overnight success and you don't really have to do anything to, to make that a success, you're also going to be disappointed. So there is those ups and downs and those bumps and bruises along the way. But there's also a lot of uh, fun and enjoyment and excitement. You just have to be ready, I think, for all of the or everything along the way. Yeah, so from from a certain angle, from your experience, what is the important thing that someone should look out first when starting a business, specifically in the kind of area that you are in? Yeah, I think when you're starting a business, you know, and even, and I'll get to a little bit more specific where I'm in, is that the first thing is you need to understand is what is the value of the core of your business? In other words, where are you going to offer it or what's going to be the value that customers are going to come and give you money or, or, or pay you for your services. And that's where you should start. In other words, and it can't just be, hey, we're going to go and sell a product. Well, why are people going to buy from you? What's the plan? And is it a product that you're making? Is it a drop shipping? And are you going to do marketing or sales or customer service? And then once you kind of figure out, here's a core of our business, well, here's where it's going to make money, then you need to have a plan to uh, to protect that. And sometimes that's with, you know, what we do at the law firm with intellectual property, and that could be a brand and you do a trademark, or you can create a new product and that's with a, a patent, or you can do something really creative and a lot of uh, good their content and that's with copyright, or it could be something that's not aside from that. It could be, hey, we're just going to have really good customer service. We're going to have really good staff and team and are going to be responsive and, um, and helpful. And whatever that is, that's what you should do. And then learn, or once you figure out that core and then look to how you protect it or how you keep that competitive edge. And if it's in the legal field, then go out and uh, connect up with an attorney and otherwise uh, get that assistance. And if it's not, make sure however you do to, to protect that. No, So let's get into your area specifically. Now, sure. there are a lot of things that we are looking into trademarks, copyrights and patents. So what are the difference exactly between these three, for example, and do every business need to differentiate and have certain things involved in these three areas, for example? So I'll answer the first question, which is what are each of them, and then talk a little bit about whether you need them. So one thing I would say is a lot of times there's an umbrella term that is called intellectual property. So a lot of times you say, hey, people refer to intellectual property. It's kind of an umbrella term that includes multiple different things underneath it. And that includes patents. And now if you're looking at patents, as I kind of mentioned, Patents are going to go towards invention, something that has a functionality, something that does something. So it can be software, it can be hardware, it can be electronics, whatever it might be, but it has to have that functionality, utility nature to it. Um, trademarks are going to also fall under uh, intellectual property, and that goes more towards branding. So a name of a business, a name of a company, uh, pr a product name, a logo, a catchphrase, all of those are going to fall under trademarks because it's associated with your brand. 
And the last thing is going to be on creatives. And that's going to be more of something that's creative in nature. So a book, a painting, a sculpture, a video, a television show, any of those kind of, but it's on the creative side, you can protect with copyrights. Now, as far as whether or not everybody needs some, well, sometimes, or the answer is no, not everybody needs them. Not everybody or would fall or would want to pursue those because they may not have a good return. So I'll give you an example. If you are going to start a, what I would say, a mom and pop shop, in other words, it's going to serve just a local community. You're going to uh, serve a small radius and really your aspirations are, Hey, I just want to serve the local community. That's great that you're serving the local community. I, I definitely think it's amicable. Um, but you don't need to worry as much about intellectual property because you're not probably going to have a lot of uh, copyrighted material is going to have a lot of value. You're not necessarily creating a new invention and your brand is going to be pretty localized or pretty small. And so you probably don't need to protect the brand on a larger scale. But on the other hand, let's say you're going to go build a business and you're going to make the world's best product. Well, then you should probably, if you're going to go and create the next best iPhone or the next best widget, you need to have a patent that helps you protect that. So that all that time, money and investment that you put into it is now going to be protected. Same thing if you're going to build a brand. Now, let's say you're, rather than being a mom and pop shop, you're going to go build a brand and you want to sell nationwide or you want to be online in e-commerce or you're going to have a franchises or you're going to have any number of things where you're going to have a bigger footprint. Then you're going to want to make sure you have that to protect. And it's kind of the same thing with cop or with copyrights. If you're just going to do some pictures or creatives for fun, wouldn't worry about it. But if you're going to say, no, we're going to take some really good photographs or we're going to create music and we're going to license it and sell it then you're going to want to make sure to have it protected. So that's kind of the overview, a little bit of what is uh, the different areas of intellectual property and where it may or may not be applicable. So basically, you mentioned an example for brick and mortar businesses, like, for example, a shop on the street. But how about online businesses? Like now, if someone gets uh, some kind of a domain.com or .net or .org, anything. So mm-hmm. does these people have to have uh, copyrights or intellectual properties and register them? Or it does not have to be necessary because they already, for example, have the domain name already. So, yeah. So that is, there's, there's a, or I would say three different things that people tend to get a bit mixed up on. So one is for a business formation. If you're here in the U.S., I'd be an LLC, an S Corp or a C Corp. Um, and that one's just basically you're with the state and with the government. You're establishing the, hey, I'm a business and or I'd like to have that. And as far as taxes, I'd like to have the legal protections of a business. That's one thing. Second thing is buying the URL, buying the, their website domain. And you can say www.whatever.com and you own that. Third one is going to be trademarks where it's the actual, hey, I'm going in with the government. I'm saying I own this brand for these types of products and services. Each one of those are separate and they don't have overlapping coverage. So you can go, you can go buy the domain name. It doesn't mean you have the right to use a brand. So if I were to go and I have no idea if it's available, well, let's say I went and bought Nike and I saw Nike with two E. So I said N-I-K-E-E dot com that or for whatever reason that was available. It doesn't mean that now I can go and use a brand Nike with two E's because it's very likely to infringe on Nike with one E that everybody knows and has a very big brand. So just because you have the domain, doesn't mean you can uh, you can use that trademark. Same thing, I can go have a trademark for the word Nike um, or you know whatever the business name might be, and it doesn't mean I have to go buy the domain name. I can go and operate a business. Let's say I have a brick and mortar store. To your point, and now or you know to your question, and I don't have online business. I am purely just brick and mortar. People come and shop at my store. Perfectly fine. I still have the ownership of that trademark and that name, and I don't have to be online in order to have it. Same thing with business. So. Or business and when you get an LLC or form of business. So each of those are going to be separate 
A lot of times people think if I have the domain or I have the trademark or I have the business or registered that I'm covered across all three, but you really do have to treat, treat each of them separately. Yeah, exactly. So when someone wants to, at a certain point, whether a startup starting out just now or after a while in their, their business, like uh, how much this process takes? Is it fast process? For them, specifically, if they are an online business, is there a different process to brick and mortar businesses? And does it cost that much for them? Um, you're saying for trademarks, um, as far as, you know, what is the process cost if you're a protective brand? It's going to be the same process, whether you're e-commerce online or whether you're brick and mortar, because you're you're still looking to secure your rights to a brand and to a name. So whichever that is, is still the, that same process now. As far as the, the kind of the cost and what that looks like, um, it's going to be, you know, generally for a trademark application, um, depending on one of the things you, when you file a trademark, you have to do is you have to identify the classes or the categories you're going to be using the trademark for. So let's say we'll go back to the Nike example. They have a trademark for athletic wear, sports gear and apparel because that's what they sell. And that's what they have a trademark for. They don't have anything in restaurants because they don't do anything in restaurants. And so with that, you know, you have to identify it. So it, there is a bar- bit of variability in cost because for each category or each class, you have to pay the government more fees. In other words, if you do more categories and more classes, the government wants you to pay more to um, have or those categories. So you, you're typically looking at for an average business to go through the trademark process to get or acquire trademark. Usually fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, somewhere generally in there. It can be a little bit more, a little bit less, but that kind of gives you a ballpark average to get through the process. So, do do you recommend a business registering from the beginning, from the first day, or let them, for example, because we know a lot of stats say that like ninety, eighty to ninety percent of businesses fail. So, do you, for example, see or recommend from your business view? to let them operate for a year, six months, a year, two years to see if they are actually profitable and then register the company and have its legal side on the okay side, let's say, or do you recommend them go right at it from the beginning and register the names or trademarks or logos or copyrights? So I would answer the couple If you have a reasonable, it depends a little bit on the business. So let's say you're coming in, you have a budget, Earlier, always better because if you can, or if you're looking to secure the rights to a name, to a, a business name, to a product name, and that's where you're going to be focusing around or copyrights and you're doing something on the creative nature or patents for that matter, earlier in the jet, in the legal system is almost always better. It, it provides some advantages. Now, as a practical nature, the difficulty is, is while, you know, while you love to do it earlier, there's always budgets and you always have more things to spend money on than money to spend as a business. And so you're always saying, where does the balance come? And so generally my rule of thumb is, you know, if, if or when you're approaching the point where you're going to have an ouch factor, where if somebody were to come along, they were to copy the name of your business, they were to copy the name of your product or, the, you know, or copy whatever the value of your business are. And you say, well, that's not that big of a deal. We can pivot, we can adjust, we can rebrand. We really haven't invested that much. Then you're probably not at the point that it makes sense to invest in trademark because you really don't have anything of value yet. On the other hand, you're saying, hey, where you are or currently are getting ready to launch a major marketing uh, campaign or an online advertising campaign, we're going to put thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars into the brand, into the business, we're going to market it, or hey, we're going to set up a franchising model, we're going to go sell this and pitch this, we're going to go to trade shows. In other words, you're doing a lot of work to actually 
put in a value to that brand and you're saying, no, if somebody were to come along, knock that off or copy or copy it, now I do have an issue to where it's going to be expensive. If I can rebrand it or I can ch- adjust it or somebody copies it, it's going to be a, a big expense to the company. Then you're getting to the point that you are going to want to invest in. So it's less of how early or late it's more of, is there, have you done anything to build the value into that brand? And if you either have short-term plans where you're going to, or you already have, then you're going to want to make sure to protect them. Yeah, this is, I am asking because some, I watch the show Shark Tank. So sometimes businesses or entrepreneurs come into the show and they don't have a profit, for example, and they have registered the, the company name and trademarks and logos and whatever. And they have paid some kind of money for it, for attorneys and these kind of things. And at the end of the day, they, their, their business is not really making anything. So, and the name itself sometimes does not mean really... The name does not mean anything to sell the name, the brand name, for example. So, yeah, that that's that could be maybe some kind of mistake. So, I don't know. Uh, it could be like, from my point of view, I think maybe it should take a year at least for a business and then maybe <laughs> do the legal stuff, especially, especially I'm talking about online businesses. No, I mean, that one, you know, I, I love Shark Tank. I think it's a fun show to watch and definitely uh, you can uh, get some uh, great business ideas and a bit of direction and guidance. Um, and this is entertaining. Uh, but, you know, the, the question is, is, you know, some of those shows, hey, they haven't been profitable, but they've also been, they're doing, you know, hey, in other words, sometimes for some businesses, you have to have a critical mass. You have to have so many customers, so many sales, so much reoccurring revenue before you can get, you know, uh, enough of a break point in, in your costs to be profitable, or you have to have so many reoccurring clients, or you have to do customer acquisition. And so you're still investing a lot of time, money, and effort into that brand. You just haven't started to recoup the profit. Well, you still in, you still invest in a, a lot of those businesses is still invested a lot of money in that branding and getting the marketing going, trying to get that, you know, a threshold of customers, getting that reoccurring uh, customers and reoccurring revenue. And so there's still a value in that brand even though they haven't or done a or realized a profit, they still invested a lot and there's still value to the business. So in those cases, if they're in that camp, it still makes sense where you're going to be a large, a lot of investment into that brand, into the business to be able to have that secured. On the other hand, they're just saying, Hey, I've started this. I had an idea. We haven't really got it going yet. We haven't launched it yet. We think it's going to be a good idea, but we really haven't gotten anywhere. Then I wouldn't go and invest yet because no, you haven't made a profit. Your business isn't really up and going and there isn't something really that you're protecting or investing in yet. Okay. So let's talk about how you do you specifically work with companies that do, they do want to protect their business. Do you have some certain strategies that you implement with them? to protect the, their business specifically for the future because as we know businesses if they are success, if they were to be successful in the future more and more and have more growth they will be bigger companies and have more revenues and profits so so what are the strategies that you work on with your company with the business owners or startups as you mentioned we we're set up to to do trade or to help startups and small businesses with patents trademarks and copyrights um, you know, as far as or one of or a lot of the things that you're considering or the the startups and small businesses are sensitive to is one is transparent pricing. How much is this going to cost me and when do I have to pay for it? Right. Those are a lot of times the questions. In addition to obviously, do I need this? But if you're saying, hey, I've decided that it's make makes sense. I need to invest in it. Then you're going to say, well, do I need this? 
or if I need this and what it's going to cost me and what do I have to pay for it. And so at least for us and every firm is a bit different, but the way we set it up is when we do almost everything off of flat fees. In other words, it is, hey, this is what it's going to cost for you to uh, for us to file a trademark application for it or a patent application, or this is how much it's going to do to do an agreement or those type of things. And we try and set that up to be as easy and transparent as possible so people understand the price. And the other thing that at least we've done is we also um, have uh, set up payment plans. In other words, um, you know, we kind of offer two options where you can either pay for the matter up front, or we also um, have an, a payment plan where you can spread out the costs over four payments over four months. And again, a lot of times that's for startups and small businesses saying, okay, now I know how much this is going to cost. And if we don't have that money in hand, we can spread out that cost. Or if we just like to pay it up front, we can get that taken care of. So those are kind of as you're looking to kind of get things kicked off, get things started, how you might consider um, what that might cost and kind of what that or what that those options might be. Yeah. So let's say a business is completely registered. Like, for example, you mentioned Nike and Adidas and these kind of things. So maybe someone starts some kind of a business and registered and they have all the rights to it, logos and everything. So is there some kind of uh, maybe something that might go wrong, let's say, some other guy comes in and says, this is my uh, logo or this is my slogan or this is my something that I I own, you know, or is it like the company now is 100% protected and there is nothing anyone can do around this business? No, I mean, there there's always a, a, the possibility. So, you know, the trademark office, you go to the, let's say you go through, you file a trademark or a trademark application, you, or they it gets registered and you have a trademark. Well, that gives you a presumption that what you are trademarking is valid and is trademarkable and you own that. Now, the, and for the most part, it gives you a pretty good level of protection. There is an exception though, is if, you know, one is the examiners that are at the trademark office are are human. In other words, they couldn't overlook or miss something that they should have caught and that they, you know, that it wasn't caught when they did the examination. And in that sense, you could still be infringing someone's trademark. The other thing is that, you know, a just because the examiner says, hey, I don't think there's an issue here, doesn't mean a business that already has a trademark may say, no, 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 there is an issue. You are infringing our trademark. And they could always take a different view and come in and um, you know, send a cease and desist letter or file a lawsuit. And, you know, you'd have to go through the process and discuss, hey, we, we, we can show that we are different. We went through the trademark process. This is how the examiner and we view it and how an, an ordinary person would. And there isn't an issue or you're going to have to make that argument. So it gives you a, a good level of protection. It gives you a much better assurance that you have some protect or that you have that protection. That you have a clearance to go forward. But no, it's not 100% foolproof that once you get a trademark, that there'll never be any possible issue down the road. That's almost going to be the the same with any legal issue is there isn't a way that you can 100% always protect yourself. What you're looking to do is give the best level of protection, the best level of shielding and guidance and protecting what you're doing. And then you're going to operate your business and you're going to have to be anticipating or otherwise build in that that, you know, some things always go wrong or some things don't always go as you anticipate and you have to be able to navigate that as a business. Yeah. So looking into your business, how how much growth, for example, in your business do you see going? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. It's always a bit hard to anticipate. You know, you always want to grow. You're always looking to expand and to um, do it. And, and for me, it's 
it has to be a reason for growth, not just growth for growth's sake. In other words, hey, you know, a lot of startups or small businesses and law firms in general is going to say, well, we want to have a bigger office. We want to have more staff. Well, why do you want to have bigger office? Why do you want to have more staff? Well, it's because we're going to make more money. And yet you go look at them and they're law firms that go under that aren't profitable, that are living paycheck to paycheck or waiting for that next big case to, that they win. Because just because they grow doesn't mean that they're more profitable or they're more successful. So for me, it's less about the growth in the sense of, hey, we just got to go and have more attorneys or have a bigger staff or have bigger offices. It's more of, hey, what are our goals? Well, we want to be able to still focus on startups and small businesses. We want to be able to be profitable. Do we want, we want to be able to work with the clients we want to work with? We want to have the culture and the environment we want to do and all those kind of factor into that. And then once we do say now, how does that fit within the growth? So yes, our, you know, our plan is, is to grow, to expand, to continue to help the clients and to have the firm that, that I enjoy working at. But it is with that, the growth is going to be with the goals and, the, and manage it the way we want to, not just try and grow as big and as fast as possible. Yeah. So from looking at this angle itself, do you prefer, for example, a growth from a referral side, as you mean, as I mean, like, do you believe that Uh, some clients can recommend you for other clients. Is that a good business you can do? Or for example, you can do online advertising and ads. You know, for us, it's really kind of a mixture of, of a few different things. We will do a bit of online advertising. We do a lot of organic. We do SEO. Um, we do a lot on LinkedIn. We do a lot of um, referrals and otherwise with our current clients. And for me, it's, I, you know, it's a combination of we have multiple efforts in different areas. Because we've seen, you know, some areas that will go up at some points and then it tapers back down. And then while those other ones are tapering back down, the other ones are going back up. And so for me, it's I'm not going to kind of put all my eggs in one basket or just simply say, hey, we're just going to go and spend as much as we can on AdWords because AdWords, you can only blast so much. You can only find so many people. And then there starts to be a diminishing return. And mm-hmm. same thing is on, on SEO or organic. You can only be so optimized. You can only have so much traffic. And then it, for that incremental thing, it becomes more work for a, a less return. So we're always looking to find that balance between all the efforts. And it's really a combination of kind of the different efforts that I, the, that I mentioned. So Devin, what would you say to the audience who are listening and they want to start a, to start a business? It sounds really simple or cliche, but I would say get started. You know, the I without all of the businesses I've done with the ones I've worked with, almost everybody, the kind of the way or the same note or the same thing that most people say is I wish I'd got started earlier and I've enjoyed it and I would never do it. And it doesn't mean that they're all successes. Some of them failed, some of them pivoted, some of them are on their second or third startup or doing other businesses. Some people found out that they don't like doing startups and they're now back to doing their corporate job. But in all cases, they found out they do able to pursue and, do, and try something out do something and or very often find something that they love and they or they wish they got started earlier so my simple advice would just be to get started now figure out a way to implement uh, what you want to do with your startup doesn't mean you have to quit your job and go all in but start a side hustle start a, a business start a small e-commerce online or start something and get going on it and uh, see if, if you like it enjoy it and if so then uh, you're not going to look back and regret that you didn't do it earlier Yeah, definitely. You are right. Starting something, at least this is, you should have started. We only have one life. So why not start and do something? Maybe it will be turn out something to be great. You never know that. Instead of yeah. looking 10 years back and uh, and wishing you started uh, then. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. agree more. So where can people get in touch with you if they want to check out the website, if they need help 
uh, having trademarks for their businesses or patents or copyrights consultations? Yeah, so easiest way, if they want to do a one-on-one -on -one consultation, meet with me, grab some time on my or my or calendar. Um, I do free 15-minute consultations where we chat a little bit what you have going on, answer some questions, and see if we can help you out. They can go to strategymeeting.com. Um, that that, that uh, links right to my calendar. You can grab some time to chat there. Um, and then if they want to um, connect up with more in general, just find out more about the website, the firm, find out our flat fees and everything else, they can go to lawwithmiller.com. So those are the two easiest ways. Go to lawwithmiller.com for the general website and strategymeeting.com if they want to connect up with me one-on-one. -on -one. Awesome. Well, thank you, Devin, for being here today with me on this very insightful episode for startups and new businesses. Hey, my pleasure. Definitely happy to chat and appreciate you having me on. And it was a great conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.